Our gospel reading today is taken from the first chapter of the Gospel of John. Glory to you, O Lord. John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him and declared, Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks ahead of me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but I came baptizing with water for this reason, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John testified, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I myself have seen and have testified that this is the Son of God. The next day, John was again standing with two of his disciples. And as he watched Jesus walk by, he exclaimed, Look, here is the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and saw them following, he said to them, What are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which is translated means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, come and see. They came and saw where he was staying, and they remained with him that day. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. One of the two who had heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated anointed. He brought Simon to Jesus, who looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You are to be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. The gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. Let's pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. We'll be focusing on the reading from 1 Corinthians this morning. Last week, Pastor James guided us through Peter's reoriented mission from just to the Jews to the Gentile world as well. God had provided a vision to Peter that changed Peter and broadened the mission of the early church, a divine revelation that the good news of Jesus Christ was for everyone whom God had created, Gentile as well as Jew. This revelation propelled Peter to travel to the home of Cornelius, a Roman centurion, a leader in that occupying army. And Peter announced to Cornelius, While he was there, I truly understand that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, everyone, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. And while Peter was proclaiming the good news of salvation in Christ, the Holy Spirit was poured out, was given to Cornelius and his entire household, and they were baptized into the community of believers. 
God shows no partiality in God's redemptive work. Likewise, we are to show no partiality, no divisions, no distractions in our mission to strengthen and to extend the redemptive work of Jesus, which is easier said than done. Peter, right after this, had, a major, had created a major conflict in the early church, and they called a council of all the leaders in Jerusalem to hash it out together. Today's text was addressed to the primarily Gentile church in Corinth. Corinth was a city in Greece. It was a prosperous town at a crossroads. It was clearly pagan because it had a a large shrine, temple to the goddess Athena in its midst. Paul had spent 18 months there preaching, teaching, tent-making with Sosthenes to establish the church. And then, as Paul did, he moved on to elsewhere. And scholars tell us that this letter, 1 Corinthians, was written about two to four years after Peter, after Paul had left. And he writes this letter to a church that is now caught up in conflict and division. It seems to me, in just a big overview, that Paul's written something of a performance evaluation for the church in Corinth. A three-fold, simple threefold pattern that I learned about evaluations for uh, colleagues and employees was begin positive, affirm something good that the person's done and how that person supports the mission and the values of the workplace. Second, address what needs to be improved, be improved. Be direct, be constructive with the criticism, and then end with positive and encouraging remarks as they return to the workplace and the shared mission. This morning, we look at Paul's positive introduction before Paul turns to directly address the issues that are creating divisions within the community in Corinth. In these verses, Paul, I think, enunciates the glue that binds the community of believers together, that unifies them with all of their diversity. So how many of you have marveled at the architectural wonders that still stand from the Roman Empire? They're incredible, aren't they? That just that they're still there, much less that they could engineer them. Amphitheaters, aqueducts, and maybe the, the two most impressive that I saw on my visit to Rome a few years ago, the Colosseum and the Pantheon. The Pantheon has the world's largest unreinforced concrete dome, I'm told. How have those structures from centuries ago withstood the elements of the weather and earthquakes and other stuff, especially when structures much newer, even in our time, seem to crumble and fall apart. Think about all the infrastructure issues across our nation. Researchers have discovered the secret of Roman concrete. The mystery material that holds that stonework together 
all these centuries, they had thought that the strength was from the large amount of volcanic ash that was in that concrete formula. But that didn't fully explain the durability of the concrete. Recently, researchers discovered that the mystery ingredient which makes Roman concrete so durable is quicklime or calcium oxide. This very reactive form of dry, dry form of limestone, when it's mixed in with the concrete at high temperatures, creates chemical reactions that form lime clast as the concrete rapidly cures or dries. I'm not an engineer, so that didn't mean a lot to me, and I've forgotten all my chemistry from years ago. But researchers discovered that when they took samples, when they made concrete by those formulas and today's formula, then they cracked the concrete, then they wet it, that that lime clasped in that Roman concrete formula would dissolve and seal the cracks up so that water didn't pass through basically repairing it before the damage could spread. And that ability has enabled Roman architecture to endure these centuries of weather. So what is the concrete, if you will, that holds the church together? What binds us and all of our diversity into one church, capital C, one fellowship of believers? I think here at the beginning of 1 Corinthians, Paul addresses the source of the church's unity. And I want to lift up four elements of this holy concrete, if you will, that I think Paul identifies before he turns to addressing the issues and conflicts and divisions in the Corinthian church. The first element is call. Our relationship with God is initiated by the call of God. Paul was called to, by God to be an apostle, to be a messenger of Christ Jesus. Now, he had a call that was quite dramatic on the road outside of Damascus encountering Christ, where Christ called Paul to stop persecuting him and the church and to become a messenger, indeed the foremost messenger in the early church for Jesus to the world. Believers in the church in Corinth were also called by God into faith, into the community of the church. Paul says you've been called to be saints together with all of those in every place who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul's words were addressed not just to the call of the people in Corinth, but the call of us everywhere and indeed, I think, every time. Called into faith, called to be saints, as Paul says. Being called into faith is a key tenet of our Lutheran beliefs. Think about a portion of Luther's explanation of the third article of the Apostles' Creed, the one that deals with the Holy Spirit. Luther said, I believe that, my own that by my own understanding or strength, I cannot believe in Jesus Christ my Lord or come to him. But instead, the Holy Spirit has called me through the gospel, has enlightened me with his gifts, made me holy, and kept me in the true faith, just as he calls, gathers, enlightens, and makes holy or sanctifies. Some of us remember that 
church word, the whole Christian church on earth and keeps it with Jesus Christ in the one true common faith. Christ calls us and calls every believer to be saints. But still, we recognize that we are not yet perfect, not perfect saints as Christ is perfect. But in this life, we bear the brokenness of sin. And as Lutherans, we know that we live in that continuum between saint and sinner. And our life, by the grace of God and presence of God, moves us more and more toward that end of saint rather than the brokenness of sinner. So we are made holy. So there's call. The second is gift. Paul makes it clear that our call to follow Christ and our growth in faith comes totally from beyond us. It comes totally from God. Paul says, I give thanks to my God always for you because, because of the grace of God that has been given to you in Christ Jesus. For in every way you've been enriched in him in speech and knowledge of every kind so that you're not lacking in any spiritual gift as you await for the revealing of Christ, our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul's announcing that, that God has gifted us. God enriches us in speech and knowledge with an abundance of spiritual gifts. And Paul elsewhere lists those fruits of those gifts in Galatians 5. He says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Think about those gifts of the Spirit. Are these core characteristics, these key gifts, are they not important for every relationship that we have that's strong and positive and that we enjoy? Shouldn't it be central to our relationships in the body of Christ as well? Those gifts are essential, binding us, binding us in all of our diversity, our imperfectness into the body of Christ, the church. Now, those who are attentive to grammar will have noticed that the verbs Paul uses are passive. Someone else is doing the acting there. These have, has been given to you in Christ Jesus. You have been enriched. And typically throughout the New Testament, when it's passive, God's the actor doing the work. So just another little way that Paul underscores God is acting to provide all that we need in faith and life together as God's people. So a third element of the concrete that holds us together in the body of Christ is grace. We might ask, why does God give us these spiritual gifts in the first place? Why does God call us into relationship with God and with one another? Grace. God gifts us. God calls us. And God works within us by the presence of the Spirit to sanctify or make us holy simply and solely because God loves us. We don't deserve it. We can't earn it. However, all the good that we do is completely in response to what God's already done for us out of God's grace for us. The grace of God that's been given to you in Christ Jesus is the work of Christ's life, death, and resurrection that forgives us, that redeems us from our sins 
a gift we don't deserve, cannot earn, but it frees us from our guilt, from the punishment that we deserve, so that then we can step out in response to God's grace to freely love and serve our neighbors in the name of Christ as the church, as the body of Christ on earth. The fourth element of this holy concrete that binds us together is hope. Hope. I think that call, gift, and grace may be oriented toward this life. And yet when we look around at the mess in the world, when we listen to the news that inundates us daily with bad stuff happening, when we acknowledge divisions in our community, in our family, and even within St. John's, our community of faith, we might, be, we might be worn down and ask, why should we persist? Why should we be, strive to be faithful in loving our neighbor, loving our enemies? Why should we sacrificially serve people in need? There are experiences, events which test and stretch our faith. There are times when we might feel inundated and overwhelmed where it's easier to just throw up our hands, give up, or strike out at another in anger or frustration or despair. We see it all around us every day in the world, don't we? But hope, hope binds us together with one another and in the body of Christ, the church. It calls us to look to the future. And Paul reminds us that in the church, as believers, as followers of Jesus, we have a hope that lies beyond the brokenness of this world, beyond this life. A hope that the world cannot snatch away. Christ Jesus, he says, has been strengthened among you so that you are not lacking in any spiritual gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. He will also strengthen you to the end, looking forward to the end, to be found blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, God is faithful. Christ was revealed as God's Son and our Savior most clearly on the cross and in his resurrection from the dead. You and I have been called and gathered into faith and life awaiting his promised return at the end of time. That revealing at the end will be in all of his glory as one with God. It will be complete, not limited to bodily form, so that all of creation, all of the world, living and dead, will recognize Christ as Savior. Paul assures us, that God will strengthen us in our faith as we wait and that God will truly do this. That is to say that our hope in Christ is not in vain, but a sure and a certain hope. The unity of the church, capital C, universal church, the unity of St. John's that binds us together, that binds us with all of our wonderful, marvelous uniqueness into one community of faith comes from beyond us, comes from God. 
for us and for the church and our work together. Believers through the centuries have been gathered and strengthened in their faith because of God's desire and purpose to restore us into full relationship with God. So God calls us together, gifts us with all that we need for life and ministry together because God loves us, His grace. And ultimately, God gives us the sure and certain hope of resurrection with Christ and all the saints. Unity is important for our mission in our community and in the world, whether it's St. John's Unity or the church, capital C, universal church. Paul has enunciated, I think, key elements in the church provided by God to hold us together through thick and thin. And Paul lifts this up to the church in Corinth and to us so we grasp those things, that we are called by God, that God gifts us with what we need for mission because we have received God's grace and God gives us hope that God will be faithful to that. Those four things are far stronger, far more durable than Roman concrete. These four things give us strength and unity for God's mission together through St. John's for the sake of the community, for the sake of the world. Amen.